Howdy, everybody. I'm doing it again. <laughs> I'm Robert. Howdy, everybody. Or Fuck them. Let's do a vote on that, shall we? <laughs> Fuck them. Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. And this week, we're going to be talking about the film... Oh, which one? Oh, uh, Moonlight. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. Moonlight. It's made a huge impact on you, I can already <laughs> yeah. tell. All right, so uh, before we get into the review of the film itself, I think, as is customary... We got, well, first of all, how's your day, Ira? How you been? How's life? Well, I'm on antibiotics, oh. but, but other than that, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm a trooper, oh. and I've got this lingering call. I don't think, this is too much information, isn't it? No, it's not. But I'm here for for you, and you know, mostly for you, our listeners. Ah, the listeners. Is that why you've been hawking up green stuff all well, night? Just a little bit during dinner, that's all. Oh, yeah. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we do have some uh, some fan mail. Oh my gosh, did we get fan mail we this got week? We a lot. So I yep, thought we Eric. would go ahead and... Uh, well, first of all, Eric, last week, can we just comment a little bit on, on what a nice job he did? He was great, wasn't he? He really was. And I think we'd like to have him back on a rotating base every so often. If he's lucky. Weeks, if, if he's fortunate enough. If, if he's lucky to have us. Ass. Actually, we, we'd be lucky to have him. He did a really, really nice he job, did. didn't he? He did. Yeah, but you yeah. know what I thought was really weird? He was naked most of the time during that podcast. Didn't you find that was really... Well, excuse me, I was naked too. Yeah, I was going to be talking about that as well. <laughs> so these guys said, uh, I'm reading an email here. It says, um, I agree with what you guys were talking about, comparing movies and trying to determine which films are better. I agree that movies shouldn't be compared to each other because everyone has different likes and dislikes in movies. I personally dislike La La Land. I didn't find the film very appealing. I agree with most of your predictions for this year's Oscar-nominated movies. So... They agree with you that we should not be calling it best. It's that word. Yeah. The best it, film. It, 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 it's the one that we like the most. Is there a word? Is there a word that suggests that um, instead of best? I do have an issue with that. I've always had an issue with that. And it's the first time I've ever articulated Now, that. let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you were to direct and or produce a film and it were to win best picture... Would you then have an issue with best? Are you kidding? I'd have that word bl blown up as an 8 by 10 glossy. <laughs> you get a tattoo of it across your yep. chest? <laughs> so you, it's only it's only uh, bad as long as it's not your film. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that. But, you know, again, I don't want to belabor the point. Far be it from me to do that. But I am having trouble with that word. And we can go to a regular movie at a festival and say which one is better or best. But somehow when we're down to the top five or nine, they're all damn good mm. and become so very subjective. That's my point. Is there something to be said, though, for the tradition of it Absolutely. being called best film? Absolutely. And I can't think of another word to use other than best, and we sure love the ceremony, and um, it, it's, it's great PR, and it's really a celebration of film. Mm. So I think we're stuck with that word. Uh, this listener wrote in and said, uh, my favorite part throughout all of the podcast has to be like saying I can't appreciate Star Wars because I haven't killed Darth Vader. Yeah. LOL, emoji face cry. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was pretty funny. I think it was a little bit. You gave that particular email comment a hard time. Yeah, the who wrote well, that. I was I was having fun with it, but it's still not unreasonable to suggest that. And again, the specific on that was um, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, and the comment was since both you nor I have children, maybe we'd be more 
sensitive to the film, we'd appreciate it more uh, because we'd have a different lens in viewing it. Poppycock. You don't buy that, do you? No. You, re- you really don't? I don't buy that. But you can't appreciate how people's different backgrounds or where they came can affect their overall enjoyment of a film. Sure, I believe that. That you can embrace. Yeah, I, I would embrace that. But mm-hmm. I, And I think maybe having kids might make a person more sensitive, but I think not having kids doesn't make me any less uh, empathetic. Right. So well, someone might, might have kids and that might make them more empathetic or they might have kids and not be very empathetic to that story. But I think just because I don't have kids doesn't make me not empathetic to the story. You formed a syllogism. Whoa. Yeah, you did. Aristotle, Socrates, they'd be Has anyone ever did. actually said syllogism? No, this is the first time. <laughs> I've only seen that word in print. So what is a syllogism? Premise, premise, conclusion. You went from the big down to this, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man. But then you did, and oh, I don't know. I got a C in logic. <laughs> <laughs> you just knew syllogism. I, I wanted to impress you and use that word. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, well, so much for my syllogism. That My favorite part of listening to you guys talk about the short films category. Uh, I watched the short film for Lights Out and then uh, was really amazed and excited to hear that they got picked up. Uh, to make it into a feature film. Every time I watch one, I get excited to see if the production gets picked up for further production. That's a really interesting idea. And it's something that I I feel like you and I have a responsibility to, maybe that's next week's podcast, is to sit down and and watch all the short films. uh, Because we, I think we glossed over it in last week's episode. We didn't really give enough respect to the short films. And I I, fucking A, man. I love short films. They're so good. And um, they really are a lot more times they're, they're just cleaner storytelling because there's not this expectation that you have to fill an hour and a half worth of time. And so it's just straight to the point. What's the story? A, B, C, done, move along. And I really like that element to Can it. Can investors in a short ever hope to get their money back? <sighs> yes, they it, could certainly it's more hope. Difficult. It's, but it's more difficult than a feature film. It's, it's you're not getting venue. your money back. Yeah, you're not, are you? And, I mean, the the film has to do exceptionally well. Right, right. I mean, more so than even a feature film. Right, that's what I meant. It's it's just, I mean, as a feature film, trying to get your money back is almost impossible. I mean, it's it's unlikely. But getting your money back from a short film, I think really at that point, all you're doing is you're setting up the director or the the producer for their next project. You're trying to say, look, I'll sponsor you on this one exercise this or, or get some attention with this and then let's build it into something a little bit further on for example whiplash is a great example of that started out as a short film and uh you know rock sundance people were talking about it i don't think it made its money back off that initial one and then of course he goes on to make it into a full feature-length I didn't film know that. It was yeah a short first. yeah and or of course thx right that one uh, yeah. thx one one three three eight yeah yeah was which was famously his license plate number george lucas's license plate that's right uh, but that film was a student film uh, that he a short right. that he had made right. and turned into a feature but film. But it paved the way to the feature film. Right. And then I, I think another example of a short film that really set things up was uh, some folks call it a swing blade. And then that turned into swing blade. That's right. That's right. Uh, and that's another really great example of someone. I mean, no one really. The masses had not really heard of the short film. But of course, the, the feature length film made a big impact on everybody so yeah the the short films can make a dent but i don't think that's really where the producers are going to get their money back uh let's see what what this person says this says um hey guys um i agree with you that the three oscar snubs are just as or that the 
Oh, I agree with you three that the Oscar snubs are just as important as the nominations. Uh, I was warned that the show was a bit uncouth at times. Uncouth? But I, that's what it says. Uh, but I found that you guys picked your moments and used your dark humor well. I agreed that Hacksaw Ridge was good, but that oomph was really missing from Gibson's performance from me. Hmm. Uncouth? Uncouth. What the fuck does that mean? You don't know uncouth? I'm just, I wanted to be vulgar. Here, it's tattooed across my, pe- my chest. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Gibson and um, Hacksaw Ridge. Man, I, it's actually getting pretty decent odds. I think it's listed right now as fourth in the running. I think La La Land is the clear front runner. Right. Moonlight is actually uh, second, I think. Is it really? And then um, Hidden, Hid, Hidden Figures next? No, something else is next. Fences. Was it Fences? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's one of those. It might be Hidden Figures, but then it's Hacksaw one Ridge. <laughs> it's, it's, one it's, one it's one of those. It's one of those. It's one of those. You're awful. Yeah, me. I, I love it's it. your words. I just pointed it out. <laughs> um, this reader or listener says, um, OMG, who knew that Santa Monica Bay held so many secrets? Thank goodness for uh, film preservation is an art form these days. So the good, the bad, and the ugly will live on. Yeah. Wow. How beautifully put. Yeah. Um, Wow, Santa Monica is holding a lot of our Who's cinematic so, was history. Was that your story, Robert? No, that was Eric. Eric said that story. Yeah, but I've, I've yeah. heard a lot about that. Yeah. yeah. Then again, Eric said it, so I don't know if it, I think it's true. <laughs> yeah, I think they, I, well, do I don't know if it's I necessarily do. in the Bay. I mean, right, who knows right. where they would have yeah. thrown those things away. But uh, point being is that those things could be anywhere. And a lot of them are lost. To uh, A lot of these old films have just been thrown away. And I think it's important to, to think about how a lot of those films were... I mean, originally just thought of as disposable, you know, and they created content and once the content was shown and, and no one was interested anymore, they just disposed of it. It was just a disposable. It's hard for us to contemplate that because so much of our content is permanently etched in the internet, it's right? It's a different mindset now because what we saw with first with v- VCRs mm-hmm. and then of course with, uh, with DVDs and Blu-ray and the internet and now yeah. streaming. So we think different, don't we, about yeah. movies than back then in the 30s the 40s the 50s the, the probably the mindset was it gets shown mm-hmm. and maybe on tv and that's it but i think a and lot the, of this is even before television right, i was going to say even if there was to, so it's shown in a theater i mean the tele- game over television didn't really make its debut until 1948 right, that was the right. defining year for television yeah. when it really came out i mean it'd been around before but that was the break year for it and i mean a lot of these films predate television of 1948 so I mean, the idea of stuff being shown on television wasn't a commonplace at that point in time. And I think also, uh, the other thing to keep in mind, like I have a friend of mine who is a producer for, uh, for television news, like daily news, and he was telling me that a lot, and, and even still today, some of the stuff that they create is just dumped. And, you know, all of these daily news broadcasts, I mean, think about all of the the news that was going on from 1974 and they were recorded on tape. And then when they were done, they just taped right over it and it's gone. I mean, some of this content that they just saw as disposable and they just put it out into the airwaves and it's gone forever. And that almost kind of seems, I don't know, not sacrilegious, but disrespectful to the content. Would you agree with that? Some of it should be gone, such as car chases when they covered that live is there any intrinsic value to that when it's shown I on think Channel so. 7 News? Do you? Yeah, I like that stuff. It's fun to watch, but what if it's 19 years old? and you, Would you still be glued to the TV? 
Well, I guess it depends. Do you remember that guy like 20 years ago who stole the tank out of uh, out of San Diego yeah. and was like yeah. running yeah. rampant? I mean, that was, and the North Hollywood shootout. Those oh, yeah. are incredible to watch. Those might be more the exception than the rule, right. though. But um, is there a vault where they archive news stories? No, that's what I'm saying. Most of it just gets dumped, just the same way that some of these old films get dumped. They just they look at this content as disposable. And thank goodness that now, I mean, things have changed and. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of outtakes and, and negatives that are lost to, to the ages, but at least we have the completed films that are somehow saved or, you know, the, the parts of them are saved. Boy, if the filmmakers in the 20s, 30s, and 40s knew that we have access to watch them now. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was fire as well. I mean, because they yeah. were so flammable and, right. and that was just a real common element. It was just uh, see your film literally go up in flames. Yeah. Uh, this listener says, I still relate to not being able to call a movie the worst of the, uh, of the fact because probably it meant that someone meant something to someone working on it. Like I imagine a great script being demolished by a bad director or untalented actors or poor cinematographer and the writing sitting and the writer sitting at home watching the film, like Gordon Ramsay watching his favorite recipe be executed by I a four year old. That's I so beautiful. That well put. And actually we heard that same, that same point in other students emails also. Mm -hmm. And, um, I enjoyed reading those. I, I, that's a great analogy, I think. I and know. also, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think we were kind of talking about that last week is that whatever film you're talking about, it means something to someone. It was a passion right. for someone. Yeah. Maybe it didn't turn out so great or not as well as expected, but um, that's why it deserves, it, sh it shouldn't get a, a third of a star out right. of five. Yeah. That that's just obnoxious and we had a lot of listeners who wrote in saying you know it's it's really difficult to ever give a film zero stars or some of these reviewers who uh, just totally trash on a film and so often they aren't filmmakers and I think that's a really important element to to think about as well is that uh, you and I both come from a filmmaking background and we can appreciate films on uh, on a production level and I know there are some reviewers that that do uh, the same thing but I, I think if you haven't at least tried to make a film before, it gets kind of weird trying to review things that you haven't done. Um, it, I mean, I guess it, there's probably art reviewers out there who've never picked up a paintbrush, but that seems like seems like you would at least try it at some point. Like that, <clears throat> and I agree. Um, I'm laughing at. <laughs> this person says, "Ha ha ha!" The streaking story was so funny. Uh. LMAO. Uh, I called it a meme too when I first heard about it. I think they're talking about memes. Right, right. Um, yes, the uh, Jolie meme was a good one. There are so many clever ones out there. So um, anyway, th there were some really nice, nice letters that people sent in. There really were, and and there were some really interesting uh, points that were being made uh, with within that. And I just want to thank all the listeners for taking time out to write us and, and give us a, a couple little thoughts and, and feedback. Hope you guys continue to do that. Um, feel free to send us any thoughts about this show, previous shows, whatever you want to talk about. Yes, we would like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on and talk about Moonlight. Now, I think first and foremost, we should talk about the plot. Right. I would like you to do that. You want me mm -hmm. to do that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's about a boy who's born on a, uh, a, a planet, and uh, he gets, um, his parents are killed by these uh, stormtroopers. I'm sorry, which movie was this? 
was just Man, something about those, a moon. Those those antibiotics are really doing a number on me. <laughs> They're doing a number on me, apparently. Uh, so this is about a, a this is by the way, before we get too far into the plot, did you realize in Moonlight there were no white people in this movie? Boycott. I I think we should boycott, boycott. this film. <laughs> I think there was one white girl in the background in the diner scene, but yes, I noticed that in the cafe at the end. Yeah, in the cafe at the end. Do you think that actress is going around going, "I'm the only white person in the whole movie"? Yeah, yeah. I would. <laughs> wow, what a claim to what a claim to fame! Yeah, what a distinction. I'm the only white person in Moonlight, but there really were there was no white white speaking roles. I, I wonder how many films nominated for Best Picture have had no white people um, in any speaking roles whatsoever. Uh, it can't be very many. And I, I just happened to notice that as we were watching that yeah. um, usually there's at least, you know, just a, a guidance counselor or something like that that you would see in a film like this uh, who would be speaking. Anyway, let's get the plot out right. of one. Even the school counselor in the film mm -hmm. that, that she too was was black everybody yeah, was black you're right. so uh this is about a uh, uh i guess i would say a boy who kind of grows into manhood this is a coming of age story mm -hmm. and the uh the, the boy is raised by a crackhead mom and kind of um is discovering his own sexuality and discovers that he may or may not be homosexual and uh, kind of befriends a local drug dealer and is um, is kind of raised up through the streets and, and really is trying to identify with himself uh, culturally, trying to figure out where he is culturally, whether he's gay or whether he's straight, whether he's part of the streets or whether he's born for something different. And uh, along the way, he meets a, another character. And even from a young age, he starts to have kind of a, a strange uh, kind of attraction to this other guy who's really kind of looked out for him and uh, it's it's kind of a love story it is, in a that's way what I, I muttered that to you yeah before we, uh, this was a love story oh i thought you were talking about us well that you, too you were putting your hand on my thigh and i thought you were saying this is a love robert, story robert we have listeners oh the mic's hot <laughs> my bad so um i thought it was really uh okay initial impressions we're gonna disagree i think we're gonna yeah, disagree about I, this evidently disagreeing with so many i i do want to mention that on uh, rotten tomatoes it had 98 percent mm -hmm. on, on uh, metacritic uh it had 99 percent mm. i thought it was slow mm. i thought it was slow now to be fair eric who was here last week did plant that seed in my brain he said it's a slow movie and he didn't care for it i don't think that affected me however <laughs> It took a while to get started for me, especially the first 20 minutes. So can I ask you a question? Please. Which do you hate more, black people or good movies? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's called a false dilemma. Oh, uh, yeah. See, that, that false dilemma. Wow, mm -hmm. man, you, you got to see yeah, in logic. Smart. I'm pretty smart, yeah. You're giving me an either or when there are many other variables involved. Shades of gray. Wow. Yeah. You have truly yeah. earned your professorial yeah. title. Black people, by the way. Black yes. people. You hate black people more. I got you. Understood. <laughs> um, no, I really like this movie a lot. Um, Tell us why. I thought this movie captured... Um, it, it captured a, a mood. It captured a realism. It reminded me a lot of uh, The Wire 
and have you ever seen the wire no. the tv show no. The TV show that everyone says, it's the greatest show of all time. And I, I think it is. I think it's a, the greatest television show ever. Um, but it reminded me a lot of that. There was a lot of realism. There was a lot of um, just inner dynamics between families and friends. And I guess what I liked the most about it was that this movie breathed. There was a lot of, uh, I, and I know you're, you're saying it was slow, and I can appreciate that, and I can appreciate what Eric was saying about it being slow, um, and it is, it's not fast, this is not a fast-paced movie, but it's got its own pace to it, mm-hmm. and if you're patient enough for that pacing, then it really is quite beautiful, I, I felt, uh, and so I, re- I was into that pacing, I, I like that kind of pacing and the the editing in this I thought was excellent the really the editor gave the actors a lot of respect and gave them uh, really a chance to show what they could do whereas in a lot of other films I see a lot of editors are cutting down seconds out of the, the the actors performances and those seconds are oftentimes very critical to get a mood across effectively man if you watch any um primetime television uh, I, just, I was catching a show I think it was like NCIS or something like that the other night with my mom and we were watching it and we were just I was noticing how fast everything was cut and the performances were super fast and there was no reaction time uh, between someone saying something as soon as there was a a line uttered the next person would say their line right afterwards and and it just started to make for an unrealistic it's performance. It's the MTV generation. Yeah. That, and that's where we're, we're used to the rapid fire, boom, but, boom, boom, editing. And look, the, the also, I may have mentioned this to you, I'm convinced that if if we would show 2001 Space Odyssey uh-huh. to today's audience, they would get restless with that space opera. I think... Well, the last 30 minutes, yes, for sure. I mean, the last, like, 30 minutes, I think people are kind of, you know, where he... The last 30 minutes? No, I think the bulk of the film is slow paced yes it is but the last 30 minutes where he's just flying you know it's just the close-up of his face is it 20 minutes what is that the last you know what i'm talking about the last yeah are you yeah, the stargate going through the stargate yeah mm-hmm. uh i think that's where people would get really restless because it's it's so long for him to do that but again with and i'm i'm defending your point now with these lingering scenes that's where the gems are I think so. That, I, I do too. That's where the gems are. And I know I muttered to you at the beginning that I found it a little, I did find it slow. Um, it picked up for me. Mm-hmm. And I did find the third act, especially the last half hour, like, where's this going? I didn't know where it's going. And I like that. Mm. I like that. So I did, to be fair, I did warm. I didn't like it as much as you did, but I did warm up to it. And I got more involved with it for me especially in the second half i can understand where someone would not like this film um i but i really enjoyed it i thought like i said the acting was really on point i think the directing was incredible uh you have a character who is consistent through three different actors performances um, and that's that's a tough directorial challenge to be able to get the same character out from all three. And they, I think they all brought a little something to it, but you could still see the same character through all three actors' performances. You have a, um, a slew of other other actors, some of which are paid, played by different performers as well. Right. And 
these other actors are also having to be consistent with their character. That's right. And that that's a director's challenge. That's a real challenge for a director to have to come in, keep all of that consistent. The look and the feel for the film was really consistent and there were a lot of thematic choices that I really, really enjoyed. I, uh, colors. I, yeah, the colors. I commented to you about the colors and I thought the colors were just gorgeous in this film. Uh, the blues and golds were a definite uh, motif throughout the whole thing and there was symbolism going on and uh, you know, the costuming I thought it was was great. The gold representing the um, the kind of I guess freedom or uh, whether it's his his gayness or his um, his ability to strike out from being part of this culture that he was born into, and then the the blues representing the uh, the I guess more negative aspects that he was kind of born into, and I I really liked watching him try to strike out and uh, and and seeing the, the colors represented in the, the film. The cafeteria? Was that yeah. when he went in the cafeteria? Yeah. Yeah, so he there's a scene in the cafeteria where he... Uh, well, we should back up. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a great scene on the beach where he's a teenager and he meets this uh, his friend and his friend jerks him off on the beach and the, the colors are beautiful in the background. The main character is wearing a gold and blue... Uh, plaid shirt and so it's really kind of a, a symbol of, of his mix of, of choices and then in the next scene next prominent scene after that he's walking in the cafeteria wearing a pr- predominantly gold shirt with some blue stripes and the guy who jerked him off is in the cafeteria with a predominantly blue shirt with some gold stripes and so it's they're wearing like uh, the almost total opposite right, in terms right. of colors and and I I even leaned over to you and said, you know, he's he's going to deny him. His this guy who just jerked him off is going to wind up um, not being there for him, and you can see that that's going to happen just in terms of the color exchange. So there's a lot of symbolism going on in the film. I think it's really well thought out. I think um, the production design team did a really nice job of keeping it very realistic, but also adding in these little twists and flavors and little things that you could start to look for if you haven't looked for color and the meaning of color in film i think i i mean you're doomed to be watching films in black and white um and that's essentially what i think a lot of people are doing is they're watching films that are quote-unquote color but they're actually just watching the black and white film the beauty of color is the symbolism it's it's watching uh, you know what we were talking about last uh like a couple weeks ago sixth sense and seeing all these dead people touching red objects and that being a symbol for their death. And so I, th- I think color is such an underappreciated element, I think, by a lot of mass audiences. Right, right. But I, I found this one to just be a, a fantastic treasure, treasure trove of little elements where you could kind of spot this symbolism and, and what they're trying to get across with these colors. And let me say, too, a tiny bit of self-promotion, if I may, that in our film, 30 Love, I know you were talking a lot about the colors for each of the separate, the seven sections mm-hmm. within our film. Yeah, so our, our was film was broken up into five, five, it was five, five the five yes. different um, steps to the right. uh, Kubler-Ross um, stages of grief right. and so we use different colors throughout that and I, I'm really drawn towards that I think right. color symbolism is something that we, we've seen in art history you know throughout the ages of you know red for evil and, and dark you know black colors and what those colors represent and it's really unique too because artists can use those colors and switch them around and create their own unique palette this film had a 
beautiful palette and I really appreciated it visually. I think the cinematographer was on point. These camera angles were gorgeous. They would sometimes let these uh, let the shots drift in and out of focus, but it always looked in control and it was just it was really masterfully done. The movie did not fit the traditional template of screenwriting. Do you agree with that? That as far mm. as the three acts, who is the protagonist, who's the antagonist, um, plot not point, traditional plot point on page twelve. Yeah, according to Sid Field. Yeah, uh, inciting incident. It didn't do that. It didn't it do did that. It did not do that. It flowed. It took its time. It did have a three act structure. Well, right. Um, very clearly. Act. Yes. And uh, it, it was clearly broken up into three acts. There's even title cards between each right. act. Right. Um, but it wasn't the same kind of structure that we would see, like not this hero's journey kind of, uh, right. kind of. But you know what? I felt like um, you said something before about like you didn't know where the film was going. I did feel like it was a little predictable, uh, but I didn't mind it. And I've, I've said that before. I feel like sometimes watching, watching films, I know where, it's, where the plot's going to go. So you expected that, and you were not surprised by. Well, the last I, I wasn't. I didn't feel like it was a big shock ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it was very honest and true and uh, realistic, but I, I wasn't surprised by any of it. I was kind of going, yeah, this is kind of where I thought it would go. There's little nuggets, as you call them, little gems along the way where Absolutely. I go, oh, that's an interesting Absolutely. little twist. But it, I think we talked about it before last week where we were saying that, you know, it's like a, listening to a blues musician who's playing their version of, uh, you know, a, an old classic blues song, you know, uh, like uh, how many people cover... Um, like on the waterfront or something like that, and you you hear this song and you hear a John Lee Hooker play his version of it, and that's going to be completely different from Muddy Waters, and and yet it's still blues, it's still the same kind of language, and I feel like that's kind of what this film is doing is it's it's playing a different kind of blues song, but I've seen a lot of these same elements here, so I've seen a lot of these right. s- same story arcs, I guess. Robert, I don't have the Oscar ballot in front of me, but are you able to tell I've me? I've got it. Tell right here it is. All of us. Um, as far as the actors, the supporting actors, I'm assuming for the different sections, were they indeed nominated for supporting? Uh, there were playing a few. The different parts. Um, so for, what was the movie? What has it been nominated for? Okay, so Moonlight Film. has been nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also Best Director, so that's Barry Jenkins. Um, it's also got. It's also been nominated for... Uh, best supporting actor, and th- this is when even last week I'm going to mess up the names. Um, Maharshala Ali. So that's the main kind of drug dealing father type figure who kind of finds our main kid mm-hmm. and takes care of him and and brings him into kind of like this crime world. And he was incredible. I just want to point out the scene where the the kid asks him what what's a faggot and the look yes. on his face yes. was incredible it's just some beautiful acting in that scene and it's really just two people sitting down at a table talking and that's really what i liked about this film is that um there wasn't very much violence there was a little bit and it and it stood out uh, in an interesting way but there was so so much just of of people just having real conversations and just beautiful um, life-changing conversations, and and that's what a good film can be. When you think about films like uh, Before Sunrise, or you know, um, a lot of those 
kind of walk and talk films this in a lot of way, ways reminded me of that of just great filmmaking can sometimes just be two people sitting at a table hey, you talking. remember how much i always loved my dinner with andre we, we spoke do we i just, don't like oh, we disagree yeah I didn't like oh it. never mind scratch that one now Actually, that, i'm surprised you don't what, yeah i we could, flipped on that yeah movie. What? now that is a film i do not think audiences would sit down and appreciate i did <laughs> and your point being I don't know it was it was wandering too much for me I never knew where my dinner with Andre was going because it was kind of like they would start a point and I'm going uh-huh uh-huh and then it would just deviate and hmm. I would kind of go well I think you need to see it again with me yeah mm-hmm. all right do you feel like they were really high when they made that movie because that's what it seemed like no, to me maybe you were <laughs> maybe I was Maybe it was just way too stoned. Uh, but also in uh, Best Supporting Actress, um, Naomi Harris is also nominated for this film. And so she plays uh, the character, main character's mom uh, who's wrestling with drug addiction. And she showed a lot of range, too. Absolutely, yes. Um, she goes from kind of being a loving mom to being a drug-addled mom to being a very drug-addled mom and then showing some... Um, towards the end of the film, some remorse for the way that she's treated now, her she son. she was in all three seg- segments. Yeah, same actress she's in all three segments. She's the same actor. We say actor instead of actress, right? She's the same female actor mm-hmm. who was in all three segments, and she was incredible. And they showed the aging process. It was uh, subtle yet powerful. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. I thought she was stellar. Um, and, I, you know, I felt like... Also, the the woman who played Trish, she was really she was the same actress from um, from Hidden Figures. Right, right. I think we both kind of were like, "Wow, what's up with her?" You know, you liked her in this, did you mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. I thought Very much so. there were some really really nice performances yes. in this yes. film. Yes. Now the director, let me ask you, uh, the director's name, again, Barry Jenkins. And what has he done? Do you know what he's um, done? I'll pull it up here okay. in just a minute, but um, he, I think this is like his third film that he's done, and uh, and the first two. I haven't seen, but I've heard that they were, um, I've heard they're kind of like independent films that, uh, let's see, My Josephine and Medicine for Melancholy. So there are some... Medicine for Melancholy. Did you see that? Ray Bradbury wrote that. Oh, I don't know it. But no, I didn't. So it looks like he did another movie called Tall Enough. Uh, This, I think, is definitely his breakout film. And um, Tall Enough is a short film. So let's see, Medicine for Melancholy was a feature film that he did back in 2008. Um, looks like he did a bunch of short films. And this is definitely his... Uh, so his, he was, this was nominated for film and director. Yes. And and like I'm saying, he out of all the films that I've seen, I think this is probably the best directed. Um, you know, I th- I, I, I'm sure Damien Gazelle is going to... Uh, Damien Chisel is going to get it from La La Land. But... Um, I really think he directed the hell out of this thing. What are the chances there'll be an upset Oscar night and this will get either film and or director? What seriously, what percentage like likelihood for best for best movie for best picture? Well, for best it's not going to win for best picture. Uh, for best director, best director, I could see that happening. There could be an upset, yeah. right? Where he, this would director and La La Land would get film. I doubt that it will, but I I, I could see it. There will be, I mean, listen, anytime you sit down and play all these odds, there will be upsets. There's, it's, it doesn't, never goes just straight by the book. So there was going to be some upsets somewhere along the way. Um, what else, what, what did you take away from the film? 
really that much huh well it was I, again i i found it more <laughs> as it went on i did find it more compelling and i was quite moved by the end you were moved moved in a good way and i was impressed and the acting was incredible throughout mm. and i was aware of the cinematography and thanks to you i was aware of the colors I didn't go wild over it the way you did. That's obvious. Yeah. What did you not like about it? I thought it wasn't traditional storytelling. Mm. I did think it was long. Initially, I did think it was laborious. I, I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was this? here? I, I jotted this down that, um, especially for the first third, that it was so slow it made uh, Manchester by the Sea look like Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> 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 Actually, that's quite funny, but not fair. And I'm I'm changing my mind on that. I was more drawn in as it went on. Mm. It took me a while, I, didn't I, it? It didn't bother me the beginning. I liked the the scenes in the water where we're seeing him uh, learn to swim and so on. Um, you didn't like that? Well, okay. Do you agree with the premise that every every shot, every scene? has to further progress the story. See, here's the thing, about I, the character. In order for you to the understand character. the film, I really think you have to have taken a black child out of the ghetto and, and well, raised them as your own. this is comment now that do we look at films through a different filter because of our own yeah. personal experience? That, that's, hey, what I, that's what I was alluding to. I know that. I just wanted to beat you to it. <laughs> um, no, but if you've ever really taught somebody, Ira, then you would know that that's, that, that's what was going on. But you'd have to have taught somebody in order for that to have happened. Oh, and you're, now you were suggesting that I've never taught anyone how to swim. <laughs> is that what you're saying? No, just in and general. Just taught anybody taught, anything. And this is, come, yeah, keep in, please keep in mind, I, I've taught in the public school for 37 years. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> uh, no, I... I don't know. For me, the father-son element really worked. And I, just seeing a father figure, right, I like right. that. Um, it reminded me, this film really reminded me of um, of two things. One, it reminded me a lot of The Wire. There was, um, there was a great character in The Wire called Omar. <clears throat> and uh, by the end of the film, the way that the character progressed with his homosexuality, Omar is, is a gay guy in, uh, in The Wire. And he's everybody's favorite in the TV show. He's an incredible character and he's openly gay and just very, yeah, so what of it? You know, so I'm gay. Um, and uh, I really felt like the the way that the main character became almost very comfortable with his homosexuality reminded me a lot of Omar from The Wire. And the other one was, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the other movie, but it was a Wesley Snipes movie. Was it Junebug? What's that movie called? I'll have to look it up here, but... Uh, it did remind me of, of uh, I'll try to find out the name of that, but it, it was a father-son movie that, I think it was called Junebug. No, nah, I think it might be, I'll look it up in a yeah, few minutes yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, right. What else sticks out in your mind? Well, instead of the movie, I have a controversial question. Mm-hmm. All right. None of this was planned, but I want to lay it on you and our listeners as well. There are a lot of strong, powerful black movies that have come up this year, being nominated for Oscars. And my question, Robert, is... Mm-hmm. Is this a result of last year's boycott? Quick backstory, which I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with, that in last year's Oscar and the Oscars before that, blacks were not nominated for the top six awards. Uh, Film, director, actor, actress, supporting and supporting. So do you think that maybe there's a bending backwards and an acknowledgement, or it just so happened that we've got some really great, wonderful black movies that came out? You know what? I almost think that it's 
it's not necessarily a reaction to last year, but I feel like the academy is almost always bending over backwards towards minorities. And I mean, um, you and I were talking about this not too long ago, but I, I think it was it, it almost started with in the 70s uh, coming home where you've got a disabled uh, veteran and then it progresses all the way through the 80s where you've got films like, you know, My Left Foot and um, and into the the 90s where, you know, we, we were joking before about, you know, how you have a disabled guy, uh, Forrest Gump, who winds up winning Best Picture. And that's just disabilities. But then minorities as well start getting a lot more recognition in their films. That starts with John Singleton and... Um, uh, well, what's Singleton's um, Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. and uh, and then that sets off like a whole trigger. I mean, I guess if you go back to um, even earlier than that, you have a lot of, of of black filmmakers who are starting to make some impact. But by by the early '90s, it's really starting to become commonplace. And uh, I mean, if if we look at population wise, there's um, you know, blacks make up. 10% of the population, but they make up a significant portion of the nominees. Yes. And in more than 10%. That's correct. And I think it's because Hollywood is very sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about blacks primarily, but you don't see very many Asians nominated. You don't see very many Latinos nominated. It's predominantly a white and black dominated field. And I think that's because there's been so much racial tension between those two groups in the past. Whites do most of the acting and um, and and black people are nominated. Um, I don't want to say disproportionately to the to the uh, amount of population, but also I think there's a lot of roles that are written for uh, for black people that to really sink their teeth into because there's so much racial divide within the country, right, right. and those are really great roles for them to play. And so thus we see all these um, really great performances. So I don't think it's necessarily a response to last year. I just think that's the way the Academy tends to roll. Mm -hmm. And last year has just kind of happened to be, you know what? There's not any really great black performances or let me rephrase that. There's none that we're going to recognize this year. Uh, there might've been some good ones that just got passed up, but that's bound to happen at some point. Would you agree with that or Mm -hmm. no? Or what do you think? I agree with you completely. Well, good. We've got that settled. Well, that's no fun. It's actually more exciting (laughs) when we disagree, isn't it? Zigzag was the movie I'm thinking of. Zigzag is this, uh, it's a film about, uh, it's a Wesley Snipes movie, and um, it's very similar to kind of the first act of this film. So this really reminded me of Zigzag. It's a great film if you ever get a chance to check it out. What else stands out to you about this? Anything else? Well, I know we don't want to forget the, the name of our podcast is money shot yeah i'm not ready so to move on to that oh okay. i have some other things that, okay the poster design for this have you seen the poster for I moonlight haven't. let me pull it up for you just so you can see what it looks like uh so right right here is the poster and as you can see if, if you're listening in at home you've got uh the main character's face and it's divided into three different sections and uh you've got three different actors playing the character and their their face is divided on the poster, and I thought that was a really wow. nice touch. Um, I really am very interested in the artwork that goes along with films and the poster design, how that represents the film. And I thought Moonlight did a really, really nice job of that. Again, notice the colors in the poster. Yeah, even the, the, the colors are somewhat represented even in the, the poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I didn't like about this film was the title 
I think it's, a, I yeah, think it's an I, awful title. That's one of my questions I was going to ask you. Yeah. Now, they did show us that scene. Yeah. Where we saw the moonlight. Yeah. But what, is, what did that mean? Well, I'm assuming that this comes from the book because this was based on previous, you know, previous writings. And I'm assuming that that was probably elaborated more because uh, this is an adapted screenplay. So it, it, I'm sure that in the original work, it's, it's saying a lot more about moonlight that we're just not really getting so much now. Um, and some of that's getting watered down, but I, I'm not a fan of this title. It's totally forgettable. It doesn't really capture very much about the film that was created. Uh, I, I just feel like there's a lot of other titles that could be utilized better. Such as? Such as Come in the Sand. I was going to say that one. Were you? Yeah. All right, come in the hand, then rub in the sand. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it rhymes. Well, that's going to be the sequel. <laughs> um, what else? You know what else I noticed? So in the opening, uh, not in the opening scene, but in the in the first act, there's this scene where the uh, the little kid is uh, definitely being picked on by all the other school bullies, and there's one guy that kind of comes up to him and says, hey, you know, you got to beat somebody up in order to kind of look tough so that they won't keep picking on you. Really great scene. And then he basically throws himself at him and says, you know what, beat me up so that they'll, they'll stop picking on you, right. which is a really sweet scene. And then they start wrestling. And I was almost wondering if that was starting to turn homoerotic. You know what I was rem- reminiscent of was Andy Kaufman used to do that. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're talking about the wrestling? Yes. yes. Andy Kaufman used to wrestle women and get sexually it aroused sexu- out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that was almost written in a way that these kids were wrestling because he's trying to say to him hey you, you should beat me up so they'll leave you alone but the bullies didn't even seem to notice that these two were fighting that's very interesting and as i was watching him going nah, all you need is just a little bit of baby oil and then all of a sudden this turns a into kitty porn a little bit of music in the background it's funny Some you say music white. did you notice the music in this movie i did one yeah. thing that i thought was really interesting is this is a predominantly uh black movie and there was not traditional, quote-unquote, black music. Uh, there was some practical music, like where the characters are pulling up in a car and the radio might be playing, but the, the additional film music was all classical, and then there was one Latino folk song, That's but that right. was it. That's right. And I thought it was done really tastefully. The, I do, too. I in the, the music was wonderful. In the swimming scene where the, the uh, dad is teaching him how to swim, uh, I thought that there was a lot of this really beautiful classic music that was... I felt really touching. I know. Remember how you and I did not like the music in Hidden Figures? We found it jarring. Mm-hmm. And this is the antithesis of that. It, it interpreted the film. It was mm-hmm. another layer of what we were seeing. I thought so. I thought that was a really nice element. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about color, and I think one of the other interesting elements of color was the magenta. Uh, of the, There was a really great scene where the... Um, the crackhead mom is yelling at the the son and and this light that's just pouring in it, it seemed to come in from the sides yeah it came from the sides and it, yes it really it was, was like, quite beautiful glowing. yeah yeah um and something else that i noticed that i thought was a really great leitmotif was the crown in the dad's car yes and this kind of pops up a few times and by the end of the film this gold crown because again that's one of the primary colors that they're utilizing uh, becomes this crown of confidence and this crown, it becomes more symbolic. I love that leitmotif throughout the whole film of this uh, almost like a royalty and he becomes, mm-hmm. 
it almost becomes this man who is idolized. He truly got his father figure, even though, uh, I, and I think that's one of the other things too, is that, you know, he, both these characters have led, led life of crime, like they're both drug dealers, and yet they don't seem to suffer repercussions because of that. It's almost just an accepted point. Right, right. Isn't that interesting? There were no ramifications yeah. to what they were doing. Um, the character in his youth is very skinny and very uh, meek. Then he goes to prison, and we, we catch up with him 10 years later, and he's super buff. I know. And I was almost thrown by was that. Was it too much? I, I started did, to feel that. I, I, and I was writing it down on my notes. And then it shows him working out, and it shows him, like, pumping iron. And I went, well, I guess if you're going to go through the, 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 the trouble of showing us that he works out. I agree, but I do want to suggest that the difference was a little bit too severe. Mm. It was a bit too much. Mm. Maybe it could have been a little skinnier. A little bit skinnier. less, I, I think. But I, I definitely noticed it. Mm. And I don't... I don't know if they really want me noticing that. Right. I feel like they could have scaled it back a little bit. Or even just thrown a shirt on him, and that would have toned it down a little bit. Uh, but anyway, yeah, th- those are just some of my thoughts. Did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to include? No. Mm. Let's no, talk money no. shots. I love how you look at me. What? No. Well, I'm a little roused right now. Mm. Yeah. Talking about black guys with their shirts off. <laughs> I know how you get. Let's talk money shots. Were there any money shots that stood out to you? Well... The obvious money shot mm-hmm. would be the kiss, which, by the way, is our theme a little bit later. Yeah, so later today we're going to talk about, about our top five top kisses. Five, um, kisses on the, on the big screen. Yeah. We'll talk about that. But that's an easy money shot, the mm-hmm. kiss. But it indeed is one. And I want to suggest, too, that in addition to that, in the, this is probably a spoiler alert, but in the diner at the end, mm-hmm. we spoke about that scene earlier, and um, why, why are you here what is it you want and he went to the ju- he went to the jukebox mm-hmm. and and played the song which song was it oh susanna <laughs> wait i wrote it down i can't read my own handwriting what was the song it was like a remember. sherelle's yeah but it was a doo-wop yeah my baby it seems like a very Been long, long time, time. Yeah. shoo-wop shoo-wop and i was really moved by that yeah why are you here in the jukebox and let the song tell you why i'm here that was a, that for me was a money shot. Yeah, that's nice. You're, you're just staring at me. I now. am just Either listening you're to you. This incredulous look, or you're. Oh, well, it's because you're fucking gay, himself. dude. You know, just I'm respecting your gayness. <laughs> um, Shh! Don't tell people. For me, uh, there's there were three money shots for me. One was the aforementioned mom in the hallway when the crackhead mom has this magenta light that's like overpowering on her. It's this blue hallway, and this hallway, like, already the colors are are rich in that household, and she's yelling at him, and she's intense. There's no sound. She's just screaming, and I even reacted. I think you reacted, too. Like, wow, okay, it's intense. Um, And it was just, it was good acting. It was beautifully shot, and it just really snapped for me. That's right. We didn't hear the dialogue, did we? There was no sound. What she was saying. Now, later on, we hear that sound. They replay that scene, and we hear it. Right. But in the moment, we don't get it, and that was not lost on me. I thought that was really nice. Did you have any other money shots? No, those were my two. The song was Hello, Stranger. Mm. Now I'm able to read my notes. Hello, Stranger. I like that. Well... Maybe I should go back to one of my exes. Ira, <laughs> why are you here? I'll just go over the jukebox, put in a quarter, and play, Hello, stranger. Seems like it. 
I feel you have another one. I do, but I just like watching you flounder. <laughs> um, yeah, the the other two big money shots for me was after he jerks him off, he wipes his hand oh, in the sand. sand. Oh my gosh, it was yes, I, so realistic. First of all, because I feel like that's exactly what you would do, which makes me fearful to ever go to the beach again. Gross. Um, but then also just the way it was shot. I know. And just, it I was know. Very purposeful it was really clear and I, i've kind of talked about this before this seems like something that was in the director's mind and they they had sketched it out and said this is going to be the shot this was almost the directorial money shot and like this is something that was very clearly laid out similar to what we were talking about before with hidden figures with the passing of the chalk uh yes, moment yes uh, but i feel like this was something i can almost i'd be willing to bet money somebody said when they were reading the script, like this is going to be a great shot, seeing that hand spread across the sand. And I think it really worked. Yeah. Uh, the other thing for me was uh, I wrote down chair head. There's a scene where oh. the, uh, the, the what teenage version yeah. Yeah. Uh, comes in with a chair to a science lab wearing an all blue shirt at this point. He's no longer wearing the anything gold. And he comes in to science class uh, picks up the chair and just bashes the shit out of the bully who's been picking on him. And, man, that was really cool. That was Hits a... him once. People look up startled. Hits him again. Mm-hmm. It was a powerful scene. And yeah. he, you could just see the determination on him. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. I like that that scene. We followed him into the cafeteria, didn't we? Didn't the camera follow him in on that moment? Or uh, it was, was He was, was, the he was walking scene? through the halls, I yeah. think. And yeah. he was then walked into the science right. class and right. just picked up the chair and nailed him over the head. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the scenes that will stick That's out to me. That's what I want to do with you now. Hit me oh, over the head. That was mean, wasn't it? Why did I say that? I'm just getting even with you for all your homophobic comments. <laughs> Sometimes I like being hit over the head with a chair. Um, okay, well, that's it. Anything else for, for the movie? I know we've got some top fives to talk about, but anything else for Money Shot? Or, sorry, for, uh, for Moonlight? Moonlight. See, we forgot the title. Another it example is. where it's just not a good title. What does that say about our podcast that I confused it with ah, our podcast? I think it reflects the movie more than the podcast. I think so, too. Well, let's talk about some of our choices I for like this. top five re- on-screen on screen kisses. kisses. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to do... And this time I ranked them. Okay. I did not in the past. I think the previous two... You've not ranked. But this time, I ranked them. This is great. Starting to five, four, three, so two, So we can one. go back and forth here and talk about these. Yeah, I love it. Do you want to go first? Do you want yes, me to? but now let's talk about my scoops of ice cream. Oh, my gosh. Using that same analogy. I do want to suggest that I did not... I want to share my runners. I'm not even going to expound on okay, it. Okay, but, but quickly. But let me just rattle off the titles okay. oh so quickly. And the ones that were in the initial running, which I crossed off, were movies including... Crying Game, American mm. Beauty, yeah. when the neighbor who was afraid that his son was gay. That's a that good it, kiss. And then he went and kissed Kevin Spacey. Wow, that's a good one. That was quite a moment. Spider-Man, kitschy though uh, it was. The upside I know, down. I know, yeah, I know. But expected. it was the upside down thing with Toby Hooper. But it was memorable. Did you ever try doing that, Robert? Um, Yeah, my dad kissed me like that one time. <laughs> but he told me not to tell anybody. And yeah, okay. Oh, good, you're not. Uh, broke back mountain but that's it wouldn't so much be the kiss in that movie that wasn't uh, uh, that's that like, was a good kiss it was in a there kiss, but I, it's not we could do that's better a good one also at three in the morning last night from here to eternity oh now, that's a good see, choice however on I've the never ocean seen the movie Ugh. but i could still include it anyway because yeah, it was sure. that incredible moment sure. with with burt lancaster 
And Deborah, Deborah Kerr, is it Kerr or Carr? I never knew. Deborah Kerr, Just Deborah say Carr. it fast. Yeah, Deborah no Kerr. one knows. Deborah Kerr. Deborah Kerr. Deborah Kerr. Deborah Kerr. And um, those are certainly classic moments. And I've got to say one more mm. that almost made it my top five. Uh, a movie entitled Cinema Paradiso, mm. where the climax of the movie is, it's about, all about a, a movie theater and the projectionist. And there's a reel that no one's allowed to see. It, and we see it at the very end of the film. And it's all these people kissing it's a montage of people kissing that was lifted from other movies taken out because of the censorship mm-hmm. in that in that country during that time and he just watches in the projector booth and i thought that was real powerful too however that's not my top five thank you for letting me get in those additional you got scoops. It. i cheated uh, didn't i you did what's I did. number five okay ghost ghost all right the ghost and of course with uh, demi moore Oh, wait, Patrick this is Swayze. not the Whoopi Goldberg kiss? Yeah, sure. Well, okay, here's where I got caught. You're right. You're, and I was waiting for you to say that. And, of course, Patrick Swayze. And we all know that, of course, within the film, that she was really kissing Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. which is kind of a mind fuck. But we saw on screen that she was kissing Patrick. And, you know, the movie was schmaltzy. Mm-hmm. That scene was was the backlit. It was schmaltzy. It had filters. It was soft focus. I and love they, that you just described it as schmaltzy. Did I use that word? Is I love that, it. Is I that love a Yiddish it. word? Yeah, I mean, I, Damn know right it. it is. But it was schmaltzy. And, of course, uh, the music with Unchained Melody. Right. I mean, they were hitting us with everything. But it worked. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about Ghost, Robert, was that it could have been a stupid movie. But it worked. Yeah. It could have been a dumb movie where people would laugh, but somehow it worked. And I also want to mention one more piece of trivia that it was directed by Jerry Zucker, of all mm. people, who directed Airplane and um, and the um, Naked Gun Of the series. Zucker Brothers yeah. fame. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. And he directed Ghost. And I'm ranking that as my number five top favorite kiss on the big screen. Not bad, Ira. Thank you. All right. Thank you. My number five. Please. A, a prediction. Do you think we're going to overlap? We've overlapped before on these top five, like two or three or four. We might overlap on uh, one or two. Just one or two, mm-hmm. but not as many as previous podcasts. I'll be curious now, to Now, I see. don't think we're, my number one, you're not going to overlap on Oh, you're not going to believe my number one, but mm-hmm. okay. I can't wait. I know. Fun. <laughs> All right, so my number five, Back to the Future. And here's who he's kisses. Kissing. Well, not his mother, but when his dad finally kisses the mom and he comes back to life. Do you remember this yes, at the dance? Yes, yes. And it, it's now he's he's saved. And that's a really pivotal moment in the scene. And we're all kind of rooting for the kiss to happen because if the kiss didn't happen, it would have been his death. And I really like that that kiss. I always thought that was I kind of an it. interesting I one. I love it. I remember that scene. Mm-hmm. That's good, Robert. Thanks. I like that you're thinking. We're both kind of thinking. Outside well, my example's not out of the box with okay. ghosts. I went for the cliche sure. one. But yours, right. yours is like... You're it's it's out of the box thinking. I okay. really admire that that you do that. Number four, mm-hmm. I'm glad I ranked them. It's more fun this way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Bound. No. Remember the movie? Oh yes. Do you remember Jennifer the movie? Tilly. Okay. With uh, yeah. Jennifer T. Jennifer, Jennifer T. And Gina um, uh, Gershon. And to be real honest, I was never. I don't quite understand Gina as an actress. But man, in this movie, she's like the same. She's yeah. that one note shrill. <laughs> you understand? She's a one you, note shrill. You don't understand her as an actress, but you understand why she's on film. Well said. Mm. What does that say about yeah? Okay, <laughs> but it was a really, it was a hot movie. Oh my it was gosh. steamy. It was erotic as hell. Yeah. And um, let me tell you, a very young, uh, right in the middle, not prepubescent, but pubescent, Robert Cannon. He rented Bound several oh, yeah. times from the video store. I think, yeah, probably every male adolescent in the United States was enjoying oh my that movie. Gosh, that movie was hot. I know, I know. 
it was um, it was a smart film. Mm, it was yeah. a clever film. And you know, I, I did some research on this late last night. <laughs> I bet you did. I watched the movie again and again and again. And the two did have that dramatic kiss in the film. But <clears throat> I, it always somehow reminded me of Blood Simple. And mm-hmm. sure enough, when I read up on it, the um, the directors, writers watched Blood Simple to be inspired. So that's where they got some I, of Yeah, them. that's where oh, just a, a feeling came from. One more piece of trivia with that movie. And I didn't know this, but I did do some research. Mm-hmm. And it was, of course, written and directed by the, how do you say their name? The brothers, you know, who did Matrix. Oh, they did Bound? Yes. Oh, I yes. Know that. What's well, aren't they like sisters now? You know that they had the sex. You change. know that Robert, you're great. Was- Wazkowski. This is why I like. Yes, this is. I didn't know this. I didn't know this that they were both born female, and one had a sex change, and the other, I think, is just a cross dresser. They both now have male names, and they've always referred to themselves as the so and so brothers, even though they were both born female. No, I think it's the other way around. I think Did they were I born it? male, Wait. and one of them had a sex change to go female. Wait, is that how it went? You're right. Yeah. Can we edit that? No. No, we're going to leave it? Fuck leave it. My, yeah, Who I know. Cares? You're right, because their names now are... You're right. But look how they still refer to themselves, the brothers, yeah. having gone through with it. Yes, it was flipped. Um, Bound is my fourth I didn't realize they directed that. Time. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay, my number four. Please. This is the one that I think you're going to be surprised about. I love it. I knew it was you, Alfredo, and you broke my heart. Godfather 2. The kiss. Oh my god! A male on male kiss, and, and the that two actors kiss, yeah, were... John Cazale and uh, and Al Pacino, right, right? Beautiful kiss. It was on the lips, wasn't it? On yeah. The, it was on, wow. Yeah. He kisses him, and it's the kiss of death. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Of course right? I do. I just love yours. Your Fredo I, has been. Uh, he rats him out, right? And um, and Al, Al Pacino's character winds up. Uh, saying I'm gonna fucking kill you that's great yeah you know what's interesting about top five favorite kisses not necessarily passionate right not romantic we're just saying meaningful I think is a word that we might be using yeah I think so meaningful kisses I think so yeah Robert that's really good Mm -hmm. that's real good okay what do you got All right, now we're on our number what am I number three three number three my favorite film of all time Mm -hmm. The Graduate However, mm-hmm. however, it is not Dustin Hoffman kissing Catherine Ross. Oh, no. It's Dustin Hoffman kissing the mother and Bancroft. Yeah. It's about a third into the film. It's about a third into the film. And um, he's um, nervous and wants to prove that he can do it. And she couldn't care less. She even has smoke. She took a puff on a cigarette and he locks lips with her in a very awkward Benjamin Braddock way and then finally lets go of the kiss and she just turns and exhales all the smoke. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that that, scene. And that also is a precursor for the tone that this is doomed. Right. This ain't going to work. It's going to bite him in the ass and of course then he's going to, you know, fall in love with Anne Bancroft's daughter. But it was, it was a kiss that was so memorable and disturbing that I put that down as my number three. That's a really good kiss. I forgot about that. That's a good cinematic moment. Thank you. Uh, and my, your number uh, My three? number three is a little bit more of um, a film that I really just like watching, and I think it's got a really nice kiss in it, and I think it makes the film, because there's been tension the entire film about these two characters and whether or not they'll ever, uh, whether or not they'll ever be physical, and it's actually the professional, Leon, and right at the <sighs> end, when 
he oh, tells shit. Matilda that he's uh, that she's got to go on without him. He kisses her, and it's not even a romantic kiss. It's really, I mean, I guess it is in a sense, but it's it's like we're connected. We're we're two humans, and maybe this is a love story. Maybe it is romantic, but it's also just like father and daughter. And he says everything in this kiss, and it's a goodbye kiss. And um, he's telling her to leave. Is that yeah? Right? And he is says, that where she goes, K K, or is that a different? Scene that's earlier. No, that's this is this is where, where the, the cops right. are coming right. from. He right. he chops the hole in the wall, and he sends her down the chute. And he says, you know, you you go down, and I'll I'll try to meet up with you later. And she's like, no, 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 I can't go by myself. And he forces her to go. And um, and that that scene is a really nice, beautiful moment. I like that. Thanks. I like both of our lists. Yeah, this is this fun. Is fun. <laughs> Fuck not Moonlight. Let's, Wait, just, let's, do just, top let's five. just do five and forget the damn movie that we critique. Um, we might not match at all. Okay. I'm now predicting we're not going to match. I don't think we will. May I go I on? I thought to... we might match on Godfather. That's oh, what I thought we might match on. It's funny, and I just saw Godfather that recently, too. I yeah. should have come on. Number two mm-hmm. on my list is On the Beach. The original one, not the crappy remake in 2000, but in 1959, Stanley Kramer. Did you see it, Robert? At the beach? No, I never saw it. Yes. And do you know the basic premise? It's no. The I mean, the I saw the new one. Oh, the new one. This was with radiation. It was shot in black and white. It was a Stanley Kramer movie. Uh-huh. And Stanley Kramer, of course, responsible for only socially relevant films, um, Inherit the Wind, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And even though he did Mad, 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 Mad World, but mm-hmm. he did really, besides Mad, Mad, Mad World, uh, really important films. And the interesting thing about On the Beach was the, um, it was a kiss between Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner. It was a different ending, Robert, than the novel, and it was a different ending than the remake in the year 2000. In this ending, Gregory Peck decides to leave her, um, Ava Gardner, and he wants to go back and die in the United States. Oh. Radiation is killing the whole planet. So he leaves her. And I want you'll appreciate this. And it was the first time that they did a kiss on the beach where the camera went around 360 degrees. Oh, wow. And it was obviously then, especially in 1959, when the cameras were larger and everything. So you can imagine the, the cinematographer, the camera operator, mm. and probably a few other people having to run around a circumference, around a circle, watching the two of them kiss in the center. And we saw it 360 degrees. Now, is that a... Was it on a dolly or was it handheld? That's what I know? would love to know. Huh. That's what I would love to know, how that was shot. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. We'll but, look uh, into that. I love that movie. Also had that great theme, Walsing Matilda, mm. that song, that's played throughout in different variations. That's my number two favorite kiss All in right. cinema history. My number two. Yes. It does not look like we're going to match. I, don't I love it. I'm match. glad. Yeah. My number two, um, it almost makes me cry when I see this. And I've seen it many times. I love this movie. And the movie is a romantic comedy, but... At the end, there's some really touching moments. Love Actually. At the end of Love Actually, oh. everyone starts kissing in the, the airport. airport. You're talking about the airport at the end. And oh. it's so beautiful. And that the, those two or three minutes, if you could just let go of the sappiness of it and just really appreciate that there are people who are just so joyous to see each other. And it's all just humans are you talking about the characters in the film kissing or you're actually talking about the real people the real people by the way that was photographed by the director's wife and she just went yes they, they sent she wanted to do those scenes i didn't know that book ending the movie at the very beginning the very end oh. and uh, i just love that 
and of course it didn't help that we had the Beach Boys singing God Only Knows, yeah. which is quite perfect. Right. Oh, that those scenes are so those shots are so raw yeah. and honest. With I'm interrupting you. This no. is your one. I shouldn't be taking. No, away you should. From you. I did, you but, know more about it than I do. I just know I, that it's moved. I me. love the movie, and even though it's manipulative, it's yeah. corny. Yep. But the ending really works, and you see all these different types of people greeting each other and hugging and kissing. But I have to stop talking and let you talk more I, about this. You just said it better than I, I could have. I think. What a nice choice. I really like those moments, and um, what a sentimental look at you! I, You're not such a dick. Deep down, I'm kind of a softy. I'm a fucking softy. <laughs> so That's I like your list. Thanks, man. I like yours. All right, it's Robert, time for number one. Now let's talk about this most meaningful kiss on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a couple of hints. Okay. Number one, they're not human. They're not human. Heart beeps. Uh, remember that? Well, Andy Kaufman? <laughs> Andy Kaufman. That's a real good Was it Bernadette guess. Peters? And it was, oh, in that? that was Bernadette. Was it Carol Kane? Was it Carol Kane? Carol, I think it's Carol Kane. No, they're not they're robots. They're not human. Either. They're not human. And I'm going to give you. Is another, this animated? Yes. That was my second hint. Uh, not human. And not, not human. Wally or something no, like that? No, not Wally, but that's a good guess. And uh, it's an animation. They're not human. They're animals. Bambi? What? What? Am I getting close? Yeah, you are. You're getting very close. It's my turn to be sappy, by the way. Okay. You were sappy with your number two. I'm going to be very sappy with my number one. Are you ready? Yeah. Wait, Sleeping Beauty. There's a kiss. It wakes her up. That's real. And I had that if I crossed it off. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp. That scene. And yes, I watched on YouTube again last night. And is this before or after Bound? (laughs) Or. Terry, in between. I go back and forth between the two, and I don't know which one aroused me more. Uh, the two dogs, a female lady, and of course the male tramp, and I, I hope that that should be in our brains mm-hmm. with the, the spaghetti. And the meatball, and both, nuzzling yes, the meatball. you remember the meatball? Yeah, I forgot about the meatball until I watched, and sharing the spaghetti, and then the lips touching. The, I watched it carefully, and it is a kiss. I wasn't sure until I went back and looked at it. It is a kiss. Mm. Their little noses, their noses do touch, and then of course... The Show tramp, me again? How, how the, 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 I'm kissing the mic. Okay. And, um, and then tramp with its nose pushes the meatball right after that and gives it to lady uh-huh. and it's so sweet it's you're you're looking at me like that's his favorite no i'm not, yeah, I'm not I'm, 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 lady and the tramp i really respect it's, it i think that's a really nice idea i forgot about it those are my top five you know and, this is kind of a difficult top five to do because there's so many kisses i mean there's a kiss in every other movie and that's not hyperbole that's literally every other movie has a kiss in it and maybe even every movie you could argue has some sort of kiss i mean the kisses are, are so common in film and to pick out just top five is is really a difficult challenge Look how I cheated and gave you an extra seven. Yeah, yeah. You didn't do that this time. You, you didn't. I do thought any... of a few, but I, I, I've Remember said I said it would limit to five, ago? and I. Yeah, I know. But when we did how you cheated two weeks ago, we said <laughs> all the ones that were made in. 19- well, then I got all the shit for cheating. Well, that's true, and now I'm cheating. Yeah, Robert, it's yep. time for your number one favorite kiss on the big screen. My favorite kiss is in Punch Drunk Love. Oh, when Adam I... Sandler rushes. To kiss, and the um, what's her what's her name? Uh, Emily um, oh, Watson. What is it, Watson? 
Watson, right? Yeah. And they, they go to, she kiss, he, they kiss in silhouette. And there's all these people that are traveling around them. It's in Hawaii. And he's just, he's, he's fallen so head over heels in love with this person. He's spent all of his miles that he's been meticulously uh, collecting um, from these uh, Weight Watcher, not Weight Watchers, but like a healthy choice meals. And he gets all these free airline points. And then he gets a ticket to go to Hawaii, goes to Hawaii, oh, and I is rushing that. to see her. And this music that's playing. The music. I remember the music. That's a real good choice. Right. That's a lovely beat. Because it's building it's, and building yes. and building and building. And, and the way it it's finally explodes. The way it's, doesn't the camera slowly dolly in with the people walking in the so. background yeah, the, the, i just remember the silhouettes of the people the, the walking it was almost like backlit or something but the way and the, the the music yes and the music that song is actually uh from the popeye live action movie that they shot in the early 80s with um uh what's the, uh, uh, Rob, the robin williams robin williams and what was the girl oh, from the Duvall, shining shelly Shelley Duvall. Duvall. and um and that song is is kind of lifted and and reappropriated here, and it's it works I love so that. well. I remember that kiss. I remember that kiss very well. That's really nice. I when, like both our lists. When I think of on screen kisses, I always think of that one. That one always stands out. Wait, in my and mind. I think of Lady of the Tramp. What the hell's wrong with me anyway? <laughs> We're a couple of schmucks. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, was a pretty good top five. I like this. Yeah. What a money shot episode. Yeah. It's good times. It was. All right. This is fun. Do you want to add anything else, Ira? What do we do next week? Next week? I don't know what we'll do next week. Maybe we should do some short films. Maybe we should. All right. Okay. Challenge accepted. Anything else you want to add for this week? No. I enjoyed this a lot. I'm going to go home and and, and take another... um, uh, What am I taking? Bound? No. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to watch a few Bound and... uh, Antibiotic. Antibiotics. Yeah, I'm going to take my antibiotics. Yeah, you need some antibiotics. Then I'll watch Bound. All right. Well, so I guess that pretty much does it for this week then, right? This was great. Enjoyed this a lot. Also, uh, if you want to reach out to us, be sure to email us. You can email me, robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or... Oh, and or and or, and or uh, Ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Yep. Um, or you can check us out on Twitter at moneyshotpodcast, Instagram at moneyshotpodcast. So any of those avenues will work. And until next time, keep watching movies. I will help you sort them out. <laughs>